You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, the podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, I'm delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. People with whom I work often regret the fact that they have missed so much of their lives. Now, if you're new coming to this podcast, I need to explain myself. Very briefly, if you're using your mind normally, as about 96% of people do, your life is passing you by and you don't even know it. You're completely and blissfully, which is clearly the wrong word, unaware of the fact that your brain is operating on automatic pilot. And and I mean that literally, that is a phrase from cognitive psychology, but cognitive psychology's automatic pilot is exactly the same as the automatic pilot in a plane. It runs on programs. Your programs were learned through snapshot learning when you were young and impressionable. They are the programs, decades old at this stage, that your automatic pilot uses to enable you muddle through each day in survival mode. You must remember, evolution didn't design your brain to have an enjoyable life. It didn't design your brain to be happy and effortlessly successful. It designed your brain to survive. So when we use our minds normally, we only think that we know what is going on because we make sense or make nonsense of what is actually going on by passing what our senses are telling us through that process of cognitive appraisal using the thoughts and programs that we learned when we were young and impressionable to understand what's going on and to react accordingly on the basis that we are programmed to make it back safely to bed tonight. And that's the only way normal people operate. They can't operate any other way. I didn't say they don't operate any other way. I said they cannot operate any other way because when we use our minds normally, as a result of the way evolution developed our ability to operate on a day-to-day basis during the course of our ordinary everyday lives. The center of focus in our brain was switched off when we were 12 or 13 years of age, and you have no control over it, and you have no access to it when you're using your mind normally. Now, the vast majority of people don't know this, Even though there is enough of it around, I mean, I've been talking about it for 28 years. I've over 850 videos online every week for the last 15 years at this stage. But you don't have to depend on me to find this out. It's literally all over the place. It's often hidden between the lines of articles on mindfulness. And, you know, people who are teaching mindfulness should be more explicit as to the necessity of being mindful rather than saying, oh, you'll feel better. And it's a nice thing to have in your life if you're, you know, happy for a few minutes and you can go out and hug a tree. I'm obviously being slightly facetious there. 
but I'm really not because most people who are practicing mindfulness still don't get it. They still don't realize that unless you're mindful during the course of the day, I'll put that in plain English, unless you're properly focusing during the course of the day, your life is passing you by because you're experiencing your life through the fog of the programs that your automatic pilot is using to enable you make it through the day. So most people are unaware that their lives are passing them by. And as I said right at the beginning, people often regret this once they have discovered that there is, I was going to say a different way of living. There is a way of living. Because if your life is passing you by because you're on automatic pilot, that isn't living. That's surviving. That's existing. It's not the same thing at all as experiencing what the University of Chicago calls flow in your life as a result of experiencing happiness, joy, peace of mind, carefreeness and effortlessness in terms of simply doing what you need to do to move through your day effortlessly and achieve the kind of results that your heart desires. So in other words, you're not moving through the day to survive the day. You're moving through the day to constantly be on the move forward in your life, onwards and upwards. Now, before we go any further, let me clarify that. That doesn't mean that people should constantly be craving more. It actually means the exact opposite. You get more when you're not looking for it. You experience more joy in your life by turning up just to this moment rather than saying, I want more joy when I go on holidays, for example, because that's throwing your mind forward into the future. In other words, that's using your thinking mind. And the part of my mind and your mind that I'm talking about when I talk about turning up to your life in the here and now is the non-thinking mind. It is the doing mind. It is the being mind. It is the mind that when it is switched back on, remember I said a minute ago that this is switched off for you, for you, when you're 12 or 13 so that you could live your life on automatic pilot. But when you switch this back on then you're simply going to do what you need to do to experience more joy in your life more happiness in your life and to quote a client of mine from sao paulo in brazil to be able to spread that joy there's a, a girl working in a an old production facility and the reason i say it's old is that constantly things were going wrong with the production facility she told me that her job, she was running that production facility, was to spread the calm, because if there was no calm, there'd be panic. And if something or when something went wrong, everything would go wronger. Because when you react to what's going on, you only ever make matters worse. So she was there to spread the calm, because if people were calm, they would be present and they would be able to know what's going on and they would know what to do rather than panic and make matters worse. But she also said she was there to spread the joy. Ah, imagine working for someone like that. What a difference an attitude like that makes to people's lives. 
Now, the other thing I will say in relation to wanting more is that there's nothing wrong with wanting a new car. There's nothing wrong with wanting the latest fashion. But that's not going to make you happy. Money won't buy you love, to quote, I do believe it was the Beatles. Happiness comes from within, and happiness only comes from within when you let what is within out into the world. And the only way you can do that is turn back on the part of your brain that was turned off when you were 12 or 13 so that the automatic pilot could operate unimpeded on a daily basis and in the process lead you to missing your life. You know from previous conversations the part of the brain that I'm talking about. It's known in cognitive psychology as the attentional spotlight. And what a wonderfully descriptive name that is. It means that you can shine your attention on that to which you choose to give attention. Now, that's really important. You're not shining your attention willy-nilly in the here and now. You're not simply, when you're in the middle of supposed to be doing something at work, gazing out the window at a tree and marvelling at the way the light filters through the leaves. Now, that would be a mindful moment, but it's a useless mindful moment if you're supposed to be doing something else. So that's a very important point, too. Mindfulness is not a nice to have. I said that a few minutes ago. Mindfulness is not something that you take up and put down again when you go to your mindfulness class. And sorry, there are a lot of mindfulness classes like that. Mindfulness is a means to an end. Mindfulness, proper focus, is a means to an end. We learn how to turn on that part of our brain, the attentional spotlight, again. Sorry, we don't learn how to turn it on. It comes on automatically when we meditate. Now, there is breaking news, so to speak. It means that all we have to do is meditate to turn on this part of the brain again. Then you have to put it into use. And therefore, there's no merit in you, as I said a minute ago, picking up mindfulness and putting it down again. Mindfulness is a lifestyle thing. In other words, it's something that you do during the course of the day because it is during the course of the day that we do stuff, encounter opportunities, grasp opportunities, do the right stuff, live our lives, and move ever forward to more and more joy and peace of mind. And maybe a new car as well. As I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but that is not what I mean when I talk about people wanting more out of life. I've said this a few weeks ago on this podcast. I've been doing this for uh, 28 years in a couple of days' time, the 1st of February, 28 years. And even though everybody is unique, inevitably, all the people that I've met over the last 28 years are their own person, inevitably, there is a thread, a common thread running through what everybody is looking for, and that is peace of mind, carefreeness. And when people get to the point of realising that they can be carefree, that they can experience peace of mind. No, I'll go one step further. When people actually start experiencing peace of mind and being carefree, very often, and it's their thinking mind, of course, that is doing this to them, they are prompted to say to themselves, 
Look at all the time I wasted. Oh my God, I regret not having lived my life for the last 20 or 30 years. In the same way, when I have conversations with parents about what happens to us during the third year of our lives. I said a few minutes ago that you learned your programs that your automatic pilot now uses when we use our mind normally. You learn those programs through snapshot learning or taking psychological snapshots when you are young and impressionable, when you soaked things up like a sponge, particularly during the third year of our lives. And, you know, an adult, a parent, might make a little throwaway remark comparing one child to another, and they think it's a joke, and the two children get the wrong end of the stick, take a psychological snapshot that damages them for the rest of their adult lives. You know, he's the golden child. I'm not. She's the favourite. I'm not. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? And very often they will be throwaway remarks fired out by mindless people, because most people are mindless, people who are not living their lives, and they land like a ton of bricks on a young and impressionable mind. And therefore, when I talk to parents about this, over the years, I again have had parents say to me, what have I done to my children? And they regret having not been present for their children, having misbehaved in front of their children, having been reactionary in front of their children. And I don't mean by that that they're conservative. I mean that they are in reactive mode all of the time. People get so upset. People get upset in another way as well because they realize that perhaps for the last 20 or 30 years, they've been making the same mistake over and over again. I recollect having a conversation. <laughs> Actually, I recollect having many similar conversations with many different people in relation to how, when we're operating normally, you'll jump from one crazy personal relationship into another. You'll jump from one abusive relationship into another. You'll hop willingly from the frying pan into the fire again and again and again. I recollect similarly having many conversations with people who have done the same thing with their career, left one mad place that was doing their head in and discovered that the place they had moved to was madder. And I've actually had many conversations with one-to-one -one client over the course of about four years, a number of years back now at this stage, where this particular person made the same mistake four times. Now, I haven't heard from the individual in question in quite some time. I'm not sure if they have made the same mistake again, because they did move another time, but they were on a treadmill. Is there any surprise to people being on a treadmill, hopping from one bad relationship to another? Is there any surprise in people leaving one job to go to a worse job at one after another? Is there any surprise that people behave like they're on a treadmill? There shouldn't be, because your mind, when it's operating normally, is running on the same treadmill every day on automatic pilot. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. That regardless of how much you attempt to change your life, that using your mind normally, you'll always come back to the same end. Very often a sticky end and you say to yourself, oh God, the far off hills are green. And of course, they're not green either for the simple reason that you'll get there and say to yourself, if you've been using your mind normally, oh, same old, same old. 
damn it, I've done it again. And the point I was making was that people will often regret what they've missed in their lives, regret what they've done to their lives, regret what they've done to their children, as I said a few minutes ago, regret that they missed large parts of their lives and regret that they never learn from their mistakes. Now, before we go any further, I need to address that particular issue that so many people have. Why didn't I learn from my mistakes? Can I learn from my mistakes? The mistakes I made even recently, what learnings should I take from them? But first of all, when you're using your mind normally, you cannot learn from your mistakes. You'll just keep doing the same thing, even though you think you're doing something different in a different way with other people, perhaps in another job or another relationship. You keep doing the same thing. It is inevitable, as we said a minute ago. What learnings can I take from my mistakes now that I have become aware, now that I have woken up? The short answer to that question is none, because you didn't make the mistakes. The person that you thought you were made the mistakes. Your personality made the mistakes. The masked intruder in your brain made the mistakes. I call your personality the masked intruder because the word personality comes from the Latin word persona, which means a mask. There's a masked intruder in your brain that for all the world appeared to be you in all those years when you were dead to the world. That's the person that made the mistakes. That's the person you're leaving behind when you start developing your proper focus and your mindfulness. I'll come back to my use of the word mindfulness in just a minute. I was going to say remind me, but this is a podcast, so you can't. But I will come back to it in a minute. It's the masked intruder that made the mistakes, not you. And therefore, there is no merit whatsoever in you trying to figure out what you could learn from past mistakes. And there is obviously no merit in having any regret about anything that you missed in your life or anything that you messed up in your life when you weren't present in your life. Irrelevant at this moment in time. The only thing that is relevant at this moment in time is that if you have become aware, if you have woken up, you need to stay awake. And thinking about the mistakes you made or regretting, for example, throwaway remarks that you may have made to your children, that's your thinking mind playing on not your emotions, but on the old way of thinking. It's your thinking mind playing on thinking. It's what's called overthinking. And as we said last week, all thinking leads to overthinking. So let me come back to mindfulness. Because I bandied that word about quite a bit in the course of this particular episode. And it isn't a word that I regularly use. And it isn't a word that I regularly use for a very particular reason. People don't know what mindfulness is. I recollect, oh, it could be 15 years ago now, sitting down with a group of, even at that point, old 
long-standing clients. I'm still talking to that group, by the way, every September, October. And I used to do it face-to-face in Dublin, donkeys years ago. But I recollect one particular conversation, eight or nine people sitting around in a horseshoe with me in a room looking out over St. Stephen's Green in Dublin. And we were talking about being focused and being present. And mindfulness was kind of hitting the mainstream at that point in time. And one of the guys, a guy called Warren, said to me, God, uh, uh, have we been talking about mindfulness for the last 10 years? I said, yeah. He said, because I'm reading about it in the newspapers now. He said, I didn't realize we were talking about mindfulness. I thought we were talking about something far more important. Uh-huh. You see, that's the problem with what people don't know about mindfulness. As I said a few minutes ago, they think it's a nice to have. It's something I'll practice in the parish hall on a Thursday evening for eight weeks. And I'll probably feel better for the eight weeks. But a few weeks later, I'll be back fighting with the people in the parish hall when we're at some other event. You know what parish hall people can be like. No, no, no doubt somebody will take me up on that throwaway comment. I'll put it another way. You know what normal crazy people are like, not can be like, are like. Mindfulness is not a nice to have. Mindfulness is a word that has been so abused at this stage and so thrown around the place by people who actually probably themselves don't know what mindfulness is, that we need to bring it back to basics. Mindfulness simply means proper focus. Let's consider two definitions that are almost identical. One comes from the Oxford English Dictionary that says, this means you deliberately paying an unusual amount of attention to where you are and what you're doing now. That's the Oxford English Dictionary. Let's consider the University of Massachusetts Medical School. They say, This is you deliberately choosing to pay an unusual amount of conscious attention to what you are doing and where you are here, now, non-judgmentally. What's the difference between those two definitions? The second definition from Massachusetts is the definition of mindfulness. The first definition from the Oxford Dictionary is the definition of focus. Basically, we're talking about paying attention. It's it. That's as simple as it is. Paying attention to what you're doing. If you were always paying attention to what you were doing, you'd never have an accident in your life because there's no such thing as an accident. An accident is the result of somebody being mindless or perhaps all parties to the accident being mindless. If 96% of people are crazy, there's a strong possibility that almost every accident on the face of the earth is the result of everybody involved in the accident not being present at the time the accident took place, literally being missing in action, buried up their nether regions thinking that they're experiencing their lives. God help us. We're talking about paying attention. Why do you think cognitive psychology calls the attentional spotlight the attentional spotlight? What we're talking about is you paying deliberately your attention to what's going on in the here and now. Now, that is many miles removed from the way in which the automatic mind works. The automatic mind takes in unprocessed data 
through our five senses. Processes it through your programs that you've been using since you were young and impressionable and provides you with a processed, filtered perspective or perception of what is going on in the here and now. It has nothing to do with what's going on in the here and now. It's only your take of what is going on in the here and now. So in other words, you're not paying attention. The manner in which your five senses have had their attention grabbed by what's going on around you has been hijacked by your thinking mind because the attentional spotlight was never available to you. So when we're using our mind normally, we're paying no attention to what's going on. It's much worse than that, by the way, because having come up with our own take on what we think is going on, we will then react automatically to what we think is going on on the basis of what we think we should do now. And what we think we should do now is based on our understanding of what we think we're capable of. And we learn that when we're three. <laughs> it, it really is. Why do you think I call normal crazy people normal crazy people? So what are the takeaways from this particular episode? Number one, no regrets. What's past is past and is irrelevant because the past that we went through when we were mindless was not experience. It was just lost time. So we can never learn anything from it either. We can never learn anything from our reactions because when we're using our mind normally, we were never acting. So there's no merit in saying to yourself, oh, what can I learn from the mistakes I made from those actions? They weren't actions. They were reactions to what you thought you, little old you, could do in the face of what you thought was going on. You were many steps removed from reality. You can learn nothing from that. So no regrets. What happened in the past doesn't matter. You can learn nothing from it. There's only one thing you have to do now. And that is be present now. Be mindful now. Properly focus now. Pay attention to what is going on now. Practice it. Practice it every morning by meditating. You do know, and I've said this, I'm saying this till I'm blue in the face. You do know that meditation is the only scientifically validated way you and I have to turn on and take control of our attentional spotlight. There is no other way available to us. So if you're not meditating, if you're not practicing, quote unquote, your mindfulness every day, you are a fool because you're missing your life all over again. Now, if you realize tomorrow, for example, that you missed half of today, so what? It's the past. You can't learn from it. No regrets. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, pull yourself together, and get back on the horse of being present, focused, and mindful. But... Working focus, working purposefulness, working mindfulness. 
you're not staring out a window marvelling at the tree and the light coming through the leaves. You're not standing in awe at a beautiful sunset. You are present now, you know what's going on, and you're doing what you need to do to get that more that we talked about earlier on in this particular episode. Because life, first of all, is obviously not a spectator sport. Life is not a blood sport either. Some people think it is. Life is a sport that we can only enjoy. Think about that word, enjoy. Spread the joy, first of all, through me. Life is a sport that I can only enjoy when I'm actually playing it. So what's the other takeaway? The other takeaway is that you don't meditate to meditate. You don't meditate to feel nice while you're meditating. You might feel nice when you're meditating. You probably will feel nice from time to time when you're meditating. But that's not why you're meditating. And you're not, as some gurus would say, you're not meditating to meditate for the sake of it. No, you're meditating to enable your brain restructure itself, to enable your attentional spotlight come on of its own accord. You don't have to do anything more other than meditate, but that's why you're meditating. And at least as importantly, you're meditating to be clear in your mind whilst you're meditating so that you can be clear in your mind when you're not meditating when you're actually living your life to the full, in the cut and thrust, the rough and tumble of everyday life, where you turn up and you do what you need to do, focused, mindful, attentionally tuned in, so that you move forward. Here's my favourite word, and we'll end up on this word. So you move forward effortlessly. You've been listening to succeed just let go to get involved join me in my facebook group strangely enough called to succeed just let go and for more information visit www.willie-dash.com